Thank you for joining us. Here at VLC, our purpose is helping people discover and develop a life in Christ. Now here is Pastor Gary Tony. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your holiday weekend to come be part of uh, our service and worship with us today. Today, it's, 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 it's very fitting as we honor those that gave the sacrifice today. Today is Communion Sunday, and we get to honor our King who sacrificed his life for us. And uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we know, believe, and look forward to his return someday because he is alive. Amen? Amen? Our subject at hand today is prayer, and I thought it would be perfect to, to gather around the Lord's table during this subject of prayer. Uh, when it comes to prayer, you know, and you've heard me say this throughout the talk, my favorite way of describing prayer is simply this. It's fellowship with our Creator, with our Father. Now, granted, yes, we, we, we petition, we intercede on behalf of other people, but I think the best thing about prayer is that you and I on this planet can come into God's presence and spend time with Him and worship Him. And, and from the beginning, really, that's what the Lord wanted. He wanted that fellowship, not just relationship. Perfect example is with my, um, you know, my father. Of course, my father lives in heaven today, and I'm very grateful of that. But I had no relationship. I had no fellowship. He was my father, but he left when I was a child, and so there was no fellowship there. Relationship was still, I was, I'm still his son, but no no fellowship. See, and that's the thing that, that God is looking for with us today is that. So keep that in mind as we talk about prayer today, as we gather around the Lord's table, we talk about communion today. Let's, um, let's remember that God wants, on your worst day, listen to me very carefully, this is the, this is the awesomeness of Jesus' sacrifice. On your worst day, you still get to come into God's presence, holy, by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Let's pray and get into this. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Today, Holy Spirit, encourage the souls of everyone in the room, those listening and watching, stir in our hearts faith that we're not just hearers, but we're doers, that we are living examples, yes, ambassadors for you, Jesus. Thank you for the privilege of serving you, and we give you all the praise. Amen? Amen. Now, here's the thing you got to understand about prayer, just like this natural world it functions according to natural law. You've heard me talk about this, right? For example, the law of gravity, it works for everybody all the time. Yeah? And it's the same with spiritual law. There are spiritual laws that God has put in place. They are, if you will, his divinely instituted order of that world, the spirit world. The, the struggle with the modern day Christian is this. We don't give a lot of thought to that world because we're so consumed with reality, what we call reality. But you understand, according to the Bible, which is the book that we base everything that we believe on, yes? Yeah. According to that book, you know, you, you have to understand that that world is the eternal world. This is temporary. You and me, this humanity, temporary. All this stuff that we make such a big deal over, temporary. And I think over the years, what we've allowed to do is we've allowed society, social media, going back a little bit in history, we've allowed television to tell our vision. 
And we sit there in front of that little thing, and it shapes how we think. It shapes the path of our life so often. And then when it comes to us being able to be open to the realities of a world that you can't see, all of a sudden, Ronnie, it's this way out there someday thing. And what God is wanting, and through the, through the realities of prayer, we could come right into his presence. And so when it comes to this healthy, successful prayer life, faith is the only way. You actually have to believe this stuff. See, this is the thing that the world doesn't understand because they're confused about this. Then Paul, the Apostle Paul makes it clear. He says that Satan, the God of this world, has blinded their eyes so they can't see truth. So guys, here's a little tip for you today, a little pastoral encouragement. When you run into the coworker or the neighbor or maybe even the family member that is not a believer yet, stop getting mad at them because they don't see it yet. I got one head nod. Stop getting mad at people. They don't know any better. In their mind, how many of y'all, you know, in your mind, you're right? <clears throat> well, guess what? In their mind, they're right. They don't, they don't think they need Jesus or church or any of those things. And so our job is not to prove them wrong. Our job is to present Jesus in a loving way. Because he'll... How many church police we got? Church police. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, you, you probably won't do it on a Sunday morning up in here. But in the break room on a Thursday afternoon, oh, yeah. At church, you'll break out the badge. You might even quote a scripture correctively, not in love, you know, not, not trying to be light. See, the world, the world is at odds right now. You understand that. The enemy knows his time is short. And the thing that is going to tear that wall down is the love of Christ that we display. And make no mistake, it will take faith on your part to do it. You must believe God that he will give you the strength to extend love, to extend mercy when they definitely don't deserve it. It takes faith to understand that this is how the kingdom of heaven works, is by faith. You've got to believe it. Let me say it like this. Faith is spiritual law. That's how, the, that's how you navigate that unseen world because you can't go there, right? So you have to believe these things. Now, it's interesting. I mean... If you go to the Old Testament, if you're, uh, I'm, I'm reading in my one-year Bible right now about King David. But before King David was King Saul. And this narcissistic, crazy, de demonic-influenced guy. Now, God, God picked him. Actually, God didn't pick him. The people wanted a king. God said, you don't need a king. I'm your king. But they wanted that. And they said, we want to be like the rest of the world. Sound familiar? So often the church, we still want to be like the rest of the world. Stop. You are so much higher than the rest of the world. Now, I'm not saying you're a better person. That's why Paul said, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. But you are this royal priesthood, this holy group of people. And so we have to carry ourselves that way. Yeah? And so King, King Saul has lost the throne, and the Spirit of God has left him. You understand, that's the old covenant. Nobody's born again yet, so the Spirit of the Lord would come on the king. Well, the, the Spirit of God left Saul and went to David. Now, two things here. Number one, David is anointed king, and the Holy Spirit has come upon him, and he still tended sheep. He hadn't got the title. He hadn't got the royalty. None of that stuff yet. 
See, sometimes God has anointed you to do things and you don't see the end result yet and you're frustrated. Stop getting that way. God knows, how many of y'all think God knows what he's doing? So stay cool. If, if he's working on you, let him work on you. Yeah, but it's uncomfortable. I know it's uncomfortable. That's why a lot of people, that's why a lot of people don't go to the gym. <laughs> or wait, 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 wait. Maybe, maybe you know the one that goes to the gym and they got all their jewelry on and everything, makeup, and they go in like, well, I wouldn't worked out today. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Some lip service. <laughs> yeah. And so David has not, he's not stepped into his role yet, even though he's anointed that. Saul was standing in the position of the king, but God has left him. And now he doesn't know what to do. And so Saul goes to a witch, a fortune teller. He, what, what's the, what is it, the, the, the uh, hotline they used to call back a few years back? You, you, fortune tellers? The psychic hotline. Thank you. Yeah. So Saul calls the psychic hotline. Now, now what? If you go read the story, here's what's crazy. The prophet Samuel is, is the prophet that had anointed him, but now Samuel's already moved to heaven. He's dead. But King Saul gets this fortune teller, this soothsayer, this witch, to go to the other side and, and call Samuel back. And guess what happens? Samuel came back. Now, is that freaky or what? Now, Samuel's body is in a hole in the ground. But Samuel, the prophet, the real him, the eternal him, came back, and they all recognized him. See, he's not Casper, the friendly ghost, floating around in heaven. That's not what it's like. You are, you're eternal. You, you're born again. You, your spirit. You are you. <laughs> what will I look like in heaven? You. <laughs> Yeah, but I want a new me. Well, you might have a glorified you, but you're going to be you. Get over it. You better start liking it. God made you, all right? My point in telling you this, I want you to be aware of the other side of this world that you and I are born into. It is real. A witch called the prophet that is dead back to this realm, and he comes back and gets on Saul and says, what are you doing, man? Why'd you bother me? That world, I, that world is real. You remember when, uh, who was it that was praying? Um, Daniel, thank you, Lord. Daniel was praying, and the angel showed up. And what did he tell Daniel? Daniel, on the first day that you prayed, the minute you prayed, I responded to your prayer. Stuff's going on in the other world. He said, I, I was in a battle with a demon prince. Wow. So I'm telling you all this because when it comes time for us to operate in that unseen world, you need to know who you are and how to function in that world. And it not be weird and goofy and all that stuff. And don't, don't try to be some spiritual warrior in your break room. It's time to do some spiritual warfare. Yeah, that's a, bunch, a lot of that stuff's all goofy anyway. So quit that stuff. You want to do some spiritual warfare? In the name of Jesus. You don't, you don't ever see Jesus do any, well, I take that back. He did, he did a couple times. He spit on some people. So, I mean, <laughs> don't try that, okay? I don't want any phone calls. Well, my, pres, my pastor said I should be like Jesus. I'm going to spit on No, no, no. Mm -mm. All right, come on. Let's get back. 
Mark 11, let me show you this real quick because I, I bring this up because it takes, it takes this faith, this firm conviction to operate in that world. See, if you don't have this kind of faith, if you don't have some solid foundation, it will be difficult for you to go, for you to go into the presence of a God you're really not sure is there. Well, I'm a hoping and a praying. We'll stop because that doesn't work. It doesn't work. You got, that's right, Steve, you got to know. And so this story in Mark 11, Jesus is getting ready to teach his disciples this very valuable faith lesson. And he's going into this town and he sees a fig tree from the distance. And the Bible says that the fig tree has leaves on it. Now, how many of you know Jesus grew up in that region? Well, in Kentucky, you, you know when... Well, in this area, it used to be, we, you, knew, you knew when it was tobacco season. That's all gone. I barely see a tobacco field anymore, but when I was little, they were everywhere. You knew when, it, how many of you did work in tobacco? Look at that. Yes, yeah, I'll be a bunch of y'all. It was terrible, wasn't it? <laughs> I did one time. I, at the end of the day, I said, you can go ahead and give me my money. <laughs> I, won't, I won't be back. <laughs> like, no, uh-uh. See, we know what season it is. Jesus knew what season it was. He knew there wasn't any fruit on that tree. So he's getting ready to do something else. Because the tree was supposed to be producing fruit because it had leaves on it. So the tree was taking up space, occupying, and it wasn't any good. So he's going to use this as a lesson. So he talks to a tree. Austin, talk to a tree. Y'all ever talk to stuff? My staff? Listen. I walk in the office where they're, they're, all, they're all in this big room together. They've got all their desks, and they're all having conversations with their devices. I'm not kidding. They're talking to computers, not to each other. I'm like, what's wrong with y'all? This is how we work. I'm like, okay. Jesus talks to this tree and keeps on going. Doesn't even stop. Come back the next day, the tree's dead. Peter says, Lord, what's up with this tree? And Jesus says this. <laughs> Have faith in God. He's asking about the tree, and Jesus says, well, have faith in God. Why would he start with that statement? Because he's getting ready to teach them something valuable about the world that you can't see. See, when he spoke to it, the Bible actually tells us that from the roots, the tree died. And you couldn't tell that anything was happening in the beginning. See, there's things going on in your life. There's, there's mountains that you're facing. There's challenges. There's obstacles that, that you're dealing with. And, and you have spoken something, and it, has, it started to work at the root of it. And you're just waiting to see something. If you're waiting to see, I love y'all, right? You know that? If you're waiting to see, you're not in faith. If you're waiting to see, you still need natural, visible confirmation of what something that's been said by the Lord is true. Now, should you have an expectation? Yeah, that's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of our expectations. You should expect to see a change, but that's not what you're waiting to prove what God said is true. He said, have faith in God for assuredly I say to you, whoever. Now, who's a whoever? Not just the 12, right? Whoever says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart. Now, doubt is a big thing. I really don't have time to go into doubt today because doubt is probably the biggest hindrance in the body of Christ today. Because we have faith and we're believing God for things, but we're not seeing results yet. And that doubt begins to creep in. And you start to question, 
Or did I miss it? Or is it going wrong? God wants to hold up, all these different things. He says, if you will not doubt in your heart, but believe that the thing that you say will be done, you will have whatever you say. Therefore, verse 24. Now, you know, when you see a therefore, you need to find out what the therefore is there for. And Jesus is getting ready to demonstrate what he just told them in verse 23. He said, for if you do not doubt in your heart, but believe the thing you say will come to pass, you'll have what you say. Therefore, I'm getting ready to say to you, I'm getting ready to tell you what's getting ready to come to pass. And then he says this, whatever, what's a whatever? Whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them. Not feel like you receive them. Not see that you see them. What do you have to do? Believe. Guys, I, I, I'm telling you, I know I hammer this all the time, but it is the biggest deal in the body of Christ. It's how you got born again. You actually have to believe what the Lord tells you. You have to believe it. In the face of everything going south. I mean, you think about the Apostle Paul. My man, he gets beat up for preaching. Lord, I thought your favor surrounded me like a shield. He said, well, it did. You're still alive, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, but I got beat up. <laughs> we are not exempt from the, the challenges of this, this life. You understand that? Challenges, are, are, you're not exempt. The, the blessings of the Lord. He, God, God said, David said like this, Lord, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death. Man, some of y'all take your RV and you set up camp there. You got to stop that. You got to stop magnifying all the stuff you're going through. Go through it and trust God and get out on the other side. I know, I know we want God to just do a magic trick and fix it. But sometimes in this fallen world, I mean, all you've got to do is read the Bible, man. They, they went through stuff. The greatest of faith went through stuff. The greatest of faith. Faith challenges. We are called overcomers for a reason. Not undergoers, but overcomers. For a reason, we walk in victory. The name of our church is Victory Life. We ought to be experiencing some victory if our church is going to be named Victory Life Church, right? Yeah. But here's the thing. In order to have a victory, what you got to have? Huh? I, I know the culture we live in today. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody. Participation trophy. No. You ask any kid, Dad, we won. We won. I know they give a lot of participation trophies. They just wound up in the bottom of a toy box anyway. They don't mean anything if you didn't win. I, I was watching uh, one parent uh, and the child, they had a, a Sharpie, and they, they scratched out, the, and they put first on it. <laughs> they won. In order to be victorious, or in, what, you know what another word for victorious is? Winner. <laughs> Come on, y'all. But see, out of, when it comes to this life, out of habit, because we get used to stuff, out of religious tradition, many times what, what happens, instead of us accepting our God-ordained instructions, we just kind of continue to go about the things of God like it's no big deal. Huh? And we neglect the things that he told us to do. Many times there's things that God told us to do you don't even need to pray about anymore. You need to do. Yeah? See, the moment you're born again and you choose to believe, you have divine access to his world. 
You have the ability to bring its realities to our world. This is why he repeatedly says this statement, that the just, the righteous, the born again, you're, you're, you're built to live by faith. But here's what we do, Michaela. We get used to doing stuff our way because we know how to do it. I don't need, I don't need faith in this department because I know how to do it. I can do that. I'm, I'm successful in my career. I can do that. Okay, that's great. But what if? What if you're the best in your field, and then all of a sudden you decide to believe God to anoint you to do something in your field? Even, hmm? See, that's the thing when you look at the life of David. David makes it very clear that God's anointing on his life is what brought him to the place he's at. Yeah. See, they all thought it would be somebody, one of his older brothers. Mm-mm. It was the, the youngest of the group. When you start believing God at a higher level and you're not waiting to see something to confirm it, you're convinced. You see, like with me, I, I, regardless, because when you, when you look from a past, from just with my own story, when you look at churches, of course, you know, uh, as a pastor, we, we look at other churches as models and examples of people to learn from. And the problem that we have, is, I was talking with, with some of our team the other day about this, so often the mistake we make we don't look at other churches our size. We look at big churches. You know, churches that are running four and 5,000 people. That's who we're modeling after. And so it'd be very easy for me to get frustrated, like, God, where's my 5,000 at? He said, take care of your 300, hush. Why y'all laughing at that? Because <laughs> that's, that's how God is, right? You know, would I love to have 5,000 people? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just being real with you. I don't know if I want 5,000 or not because I enjoy my life. If you're pastor of 5,000, you don't get to do some of the things I get to do. Huh? See, like one day last week, Dustin said, man, let's, he, he was off work. He said, let's go fishing. So I took, I took a half day off and went fishing. You pastor of 5,000? <laughs> Joe, you may not get to go fishing ever. <laughs> so I know we always think the grass is greener somewhere else. The thing about grass, I don't care where it's at, still got to mow it, still got to weed eat it, still got to treat it. Yeah. You know, that's my, my brother-in-law, Johnny, he lives out in the country. He got five acres. He spent half, half his life mowing. Like, man, come on in. Let's have some fun. I got to have it looking good. Okay. Get some donkeys or some goats or something. <laughs> right? I know. Y'all just have too much fun over there. Well, listen, if you can't have fun as a Christian, all right, come on, let's get back. Faith is the bridge. Now, we're talking about our prayer life. We're talking about faith being this, this spiritual law that we operate through, that you believe God for things, because faith is the, the bridge that connects those worlds. And according to the book of Hebrews, it is spiritual substance. The, the Bible actually tells us that without it, you can't even please God. So you have to get to this place where you're believing God Right in the middle of you don't see results yet. You're not moved by those things. And, and the thing is, because God knows that he only, now you got to get this today. Because God knows that he only has imperfect people to work through. Now, I know some of y'all think you've arrived, but for most of us, God's still working on us, right? See, many times his power is hindered because of unbelief. We see a scripture, we see a truth, we see Jesus 
uh, we see the, the apostles, we, we see Paul and those guys, we see them do things. And we thought, well, I'm going to try it. And you don't get the same result. And we get frustrated, don't we? But we're still growing in this. And many times that unbelief sneaks in and it kind of gets us sideways. <clears throat> Watch this. Book, the book of Hebrews chapter 3 says this. Watch your step. Make sure there's no evil unbelief lying around that will trip you up and throw you off course, diverting you from the living God. See, the enemy knows if he can get you to question the things of God, he'll keep you unstable. That's what the Apostle James says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Yeah. But see, the truth is, if, if we honestly haven't accepted the fact that, you know, <clears throat> it's all about faith, I want you to listen to this statement. There's a story in the New Testament where uh, uh, his, the guy's name is Jairus. And Jesus is on the scene, and everywhere Jesus goes, he's healing people. And Jairus hears about Jesus healing people. And so Jairus goes to Jesus, and he's going to get Jesus to come heal his child. Jesus says, let's go. So they're on the way to Jairus' house. And of course, you all know the story. There's a woman that has an issue of blood, and she came and stole the healing. She just took it. She didn't ask. She didn't ask. Listen, she didn't ask anybody to pray for her. The Bible says that when she grabbed the hem of his garment. Now, here's the thing, Stephen. I try to visualize that. Cody, if, he, if she grabbed the hem of his garment, that must have meant that she was down at ground level. She had to be, she was so weak and she had to either, either been crawling to get to him or in her last gasp of breath just reached out and fell and grabbed it. And the minute she did, the Bible says that she could tell instantly in her body that she'd been made whole. And she got up and walked away. And she was trying to sneak away, but Jesus stopped. Said, wait, 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 who touched me? And the disciples said, Lord, everybody's bumping into you. Who touched you? He said, no, 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 somebody touched me with faith. And then he turns to the girl and he tells her, daughter, your faith. He didn't say my great power. <clears throat> he said, your faith has made you whole. Now, if her faith can make her whole, So just maybe we need a little self-evaluation today. But while that's going on, some of J. Iris's staff come to him and tell him, no need to bother Jesus now, your daughter's dead. And Jesus heard it, and he turned to J. Iris, and he makes this radical statement. And this is one of the things, once again, now I, I say this just as your pastor to teach you because I, I use modern translations, you understand? I use them. But sometimes I struggle with them because they have, to have a tendency to dilute simple words that have very uh, specific meaning. And Jair, or Jesus turns to Jairus, and in the King James, the New King James, the, some of the more traditional writings, this is the statement Jesus says, Jairus, only believe. Amen. See, some of your modern translations say just believe. <coughs> That's not the same thing, Okay. Only believe. Why would he tell him only believe? If, if it's just going to be, Jairus, stand back. Just watch me and God and what we do. There's no only believing necessary. 
Believing has something to do with his daughter getting healed that day. He said, only believe. So they show up on the scene. Jesus tells everybody, the girl's not dead. She's just asleep. And they start to mock him. See, when you step bold in faith, there will be people that mock you. And then Jesus ran them out. What was he doing? He was getting all the unbelief out. And then he went in the room and he said, little girl, get up. What about that? And guess what happened? <clears throat> little girl got up. See, this is the thing I want you to understand today, to get to this place where we can get some of that. To, to get to the place where we only believe, say only. It's going to take some transformation on our part. Now, I bring this up because I, I went back and listened to part of my message last week to see how I was. Because I kind of got on y'all a little bit about your homework. I'm sorry. My bad. I didn't mean to be so strong about your homework because I, you, I know you didn't do it. So it's okay. I, I still love you. I know, I know somebody like, you give homework? I sure do. But they don't do it. It's okay. If you're new here today, it's okay. <laughs> I know, some, I, know there's a, I know some of you do. I know. I love you. But if you had done your homework in Matthew chapter 6, you would have read this passage in verse 22 where Jesus makes this statement. He says, the light of the body is the eye. Now, now this is, once again, now I'm going back to the King James. I very rarely use King James, but listen to this. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye is single, the whole body shall be full of light. Single. What's he talking about? <clears throat> That's right, Stephen. If, if you want to be this only believed type of person, you've got to be single-minded about the things of God. This is why Jesus summed up chapter 6 when he finishes up in verse 33. He said, guys, put the kingdom of heaven first, Okay. Put the kingdom of heaven first. See, ultimately, for us to have this kind of effective prayer life, it's going to be built around this fellowship with God, putting the kingdom of heaven first, spending time with him. I mean, think about it. How can you honestly fellowship with somebody you're really not sure about? You got to hang out with him sometimes. And there's no set rules for this stuff. That's great. Like I've told you in our first two sessions, if you have time to go shut the door and have some quiet time with the Lord, that's wonderful. But sometimes on your way to work, you just need to turn the radio off. You need to turn off the, uh, all that stuff and just talk to the Lord. Well, what do I say? Just be you. If you're struggling, tell him you're struggling. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm really having a hard time with this, and I need some help. Okay? He knows you. But the majority of the time, he's going to do you just like he does me, just like he does the rest of us. He's going to take you back to his word. Because he sent his word to heal us, to instruct us. He sent his word as a lamp unto our feet. He sent his word as a light unto our path. His word, King David said, God, the word of God is flawless, it's perfect. It's sweeter than honey. What is? The word of God is. Jesus was speaking in John chapter 15. He said this, if you make yourself at home with me and my words are at home with you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to. See, this is the thing, guys. Until we get... The faith part of our new life settled when it comes to the things of the Spirit, we're probably going to struggle a little bit. So you got to make your mind up about some of this stuff. And when I'm, when I'm talking about things like prayer and things of that other world, can I show you something that might stretch you a little bit? Because when it comes to maintaining this confident faith attitude, sometimes 
It, it, it's going to take some faith on our part. Let me show you this in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <coughs> now, this, this scripture, I mean, it kind of stretches me a little bit. Check this out. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice. I know some of y'all are like, I'm not saying that. <laughs> no, we're reading the Bible, right? Okay. Rejoice always. What's the next one? Pray. Not just pray. Pray what? What's up with that? How are you going to pray without ceasing? You got to eat. You got to sleep. He's talking about a lifestyle. See, you, you need to be able to pray at the drop of a hat, regardless of the situation. And it doesn't matter where you're at. What I've discovered, though, a lot of times is some of us are scared to pray in front of people. That's why you need to come to our Wednesday night prayer meetings. They'll help you with some of that, give you a little bit more confidence to pray in front of somebody. You know, sometimes you may have a, a coworker, somebody, man, I got a friend. Can, can you come pray for them? Listen, God would not allow that opportunity to happen to you if you weren't ready. You ain't got to call the preacher. Just go. I don't know what to say. Call me then if you don't know what to say. I'll help you. Just go do it. See, a lot of times what God is looking for is people that are just bold enough to step out. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. See, some of you all today, this might be your breakthrough moment. Breakthrough moment. You, need, you, you should, by faith, Okay, I can tell we need a little spiritual exercise here. <laughs> By faith, all right? Come on. No, your face won't break. Come on. Did you do it? Rejoice. Rejoice. Listen, guys, let me give you a newsflash. This is the worst, most difficult, shortest thing we will ever do as people of God. So rejoice. You're going to heaven. You get to live forever in glory. So rejoice. I know, but you don't understand what I'm going through. I didn't write this, man. God knew what he was doing. So by faith, when you don't feel like it. One of uh, my mentors back in the day, he, he was very charismaniac. And he said, sometimes, this is, this is how he would preach. What you got to do is kick the coffee table out of the way and rejoice in the Lord. And I'm like, that's right. Just, huh? Sometimes you just got you to, gotta, by faith, do it anyway. Yeah. Pray without ceasing. You understand why faith is... Now, wait, what's, what's next? In every... I'm like, Paul, you got to stop, man. In everything... Give thanks. What about the speeding ticket? <laughs> huh? Lord, I was praying when the cop stopped me that he would let me go. <laughs> no, that's not, no. No, he's not, he's not saying to be thankful for the speeding ticket. Once again, Paul is talking about having a thankful life in everything. Be thankful for what you get. Because I promise you, there's somebody that doesn't have what you have. Especially in today's world, yeah. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. See, 
the Word of God is the will of God. If you're wondering what the will of God is for this particular subject, that's why Paul put that in there so you wouldn't be questioning it. It's the will of God. Be thankful. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice always. See, this is the thing. So when it comes to prayer, what if, this, this may help some of you today, what if we ask God to help us with our prayer life? See, if you're not sure about it, if you're uncomfortable, just ask him. See, just like, you, just like you have to develop natural communication skills, you can develop spiritual communication skills. You can learn how to pray and navigate the things of God. And this is the thing, when it comes to the things of God, and which, which prayer is, it, it really comes down to us experiencing this divine relationship with our Father. And we've said this throughout the talk, that when you look through the Bible, you'll see that the Bible uses a number of different Hebrew and Greek words for us at the word prayer. For example, you know, slide me up a little bit, y'all, because I'm going to skip some of this, okay? But when you look at some of these words prayer, we talked about already intercession, petition, fellowship. But today, for the next couple of minutes, I just want to highlight this one thing because we're getting ready to take Holy Communion together. But when you look at this, por this portion of prayer, worship and communion go hand in hand together. See, this is one of the reasons why we do what we do. As we gather around the Lord's table, I want you to have this heart. You see, true worship is simply an expression of our love and dependency on Jesus. And it goes hand in hand, communion and worship do. See, sometimes it's you just coming in here. The reason we try to create an atmosphere in here is so you can come leave the world outside for just a second. And just come into the presence of the Lord and, 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 and just, this is why we put the words on the screen. We have a band that tries to help you move into a, a song or something. And I know some of you are like, well, I don't really like the song service. It's not a song service. Amen. Amen. It's not a song service. We're not up here entertaining you. We're trying to create an atmosphere where you can come in and lay your cares down for a minute. Yeah, but it's just not my favorite song. Man, it's, it's still all about you. And that's why you struggle with worship because it's still, everything's about you. Worship is about Him. Today, when we hold these elements, it's about Him. King David said, oh God, let me sing a new song to you. See, I love following David's life. I, did you all know that I am the seed of David? Amen. I am. Go check it out. You are too, by the way. <laughs> He's your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. Yeah. See to David, and he said, God, I, I just want to sing a new song to you. Y'all ever sing a new song to God? Oh, I don't know any. Just make it up. My wife does it all the time. <laughs> but now she's, not, she's just trying to sing a song. She thought that's what the words were of the song. She said, oh, that's not what the words are? <laughs> Y'all ever done that? Yeah. See, at the end of the day, the closer that we grow in our fellowship with him, the more natural worship's going to be in our life. And as that transformation takes place, it becomes this more special moment. So don't, don't overthink it when it comes to, to worship. It's just an outward expression of our heart. David said it like this, At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices, watch this, with shouts of joy, rejoice always, singing and praising the Lord with music. Did you know it was biblical? Yeah. I know there's some churches you don't, you don't do music. Well, they missed the opportunity to enjoy some stuff, man. 
Now, let me say this. When it comes to your relationship with Jesus, no shortcut. There's no shortcut. You got to grow in your relationship with Jesus just like you grow in your relationship with your spouse. See, my wife and I, we finish, our, we finish each other's sentences. Sometimes she'll, like, she'll just tell me something like, what? How do you know that? She knows me. She could tell what kind of, what, with some of my responses, she, could, she, she can already tell what kind of mood I'm in. Yeah? Yep. See, when you begin to embrace these things, David gives us this wonderful starting point. So for some of you all today, in Psalm 145, he says this, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Watch this. One generation shall praise your works to another. I was talking to somebody in the lobby a while ago, and they were asking what happened to this generation. Now, some of it, it's just a different time, okay? But could, could some of it be that we haven't shared and displayed to the next generation what it's supposed to look like? Could we have been all inclusive in our Bless Me Club and just let the world and let the world teach our kids how to Just maybe, I don't know, I'm just thinking out loud here, but according to what the psalmist says, one generation will praise his works to the next. Parents, your kids, dad, you're out working in the garage, your, your kid ought to hear you sing and worship sometimes. Now, you don't have to worship all the time. You all know me, I love country music. I'm country as the day is long. Some would say redneck. But there should be times when your, ch your children hear you worship. Mom, when you're in there doing the dishes, you ought to have a little Holy Ghost throwdown. Like, what's up with mom? The Spirit's on her right now. <laughs> huh? We need to be able to enjoy our Christianity. Right? Listen, listen to David's words in Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. How often? My soul will make its boast in the Lord and the humble. Another good, a good word for that word humble there is the teachable. They'll hear it and be glad. So understand something. When you magnify the Lord, that's what he says, magnify the Lord with me. That's what we do in here. Magnifying God. I mean, you think about it. If you ever go outside and you look at the stars, all you see is some little twinkly stuff in the sky. But if you were to take a high-powered telescope and look at those, you see these massive spheres of fire and all kinds of stuff bigger than our planet when you magnify it what worship does is it magnifies God and what communion does when you come in the presence of God with this heart of worship communion is one of those special times that allows you to humble yourself for just a second and acknowledge Jesus for what he did right and there's no better place, I don't think, of enlightenment. There's no better place of inspired vision than around the Lord's table. It's, it's one of my favorite things to do. This is why we never just do it, at, at, you know, on, on, a, on a religious kind of ritual type thing. <clears throat> I like to talk about it because I want, I want 
communion to be fresh in your thinking when you hold that little cup. I want you to know that a real person. Hey guys, let me have that scripture in, uh, in Peter. It's somewhere down in my notes. Now keep on going. You'll find it in just a second. There we go. But when you're, when you're holding those elements and you begin to understand that a real, please hear me today, a real person left their world and came here, died a real death. I was, I was reading the Gospel of John in my one-year Bible today that Mary went looking for Jesus and he wasn't there. I had to take a break for a second because I wanted to shout. He wasn't there. Where was he at? He was at Walmart. He was picking up some stuff. No, no. He was risen. Jesus is alive today. You understand that? And his spirit lives in us today. If you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus, before we take communion, see communion is only for the people of God. If you're not born again, it's just a religious ritual that you do. It doesn't mean anything. You must be, this is in the words of Jesus talking to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And so if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your life, today's your day. Do not leave this room without Jesus. I'm not asking you to be a member of this church. We may not be your style, I get that, but you're here right now. Take a step of faith with us. We're all gonna say it together as a family. Ask Jesus to come into your life and see what he'll do for you, amen? Let's help him, you all. Let's all say it together. Lord Jesus, come into my life and make me new. And from this day forward, Jesus is my Lord. Heaven is my home. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me share this scripture with you so that we can take communion together. Let me ask you this. I got some ushers in the back right now. Does everybody have elements? I can have mine, please. If, if you haven't gotten your elements yet, just raise your hand and they'll take care of you. We got these cool little, I mean, it's all in one, inclusive. I like it. I want you to listen to this passage from uh, the Apostle Peter. He says this, you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are his own special people. Wow. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Who you, you were once not a people, but now we are the people of God. See, the thing about being people of God on the good days and bad days, we live forever, man. This is the thing that Jesus did for us, is he gave us this wonderful opportunity to live with him forever. And when you gather around this table, and I, I know I use that term loosely, but that was the first time when Jesus and his disciples, they were gathered around a table and he took the broken bread. He said, this is my body. The apostle Paul teaches us, as often as you do it, he didn't say every Sunday. He said, but when you do it, have this fresh in your thinking, this, this, this body. So let's go ahead and get our bread out. This, this little cracker today represents his body. Shed for you, broken for you, beaten and destroyed for you. And so today, Lord Jesus, we 
humbly honor you. We thank you so much for coming for us, for willingly laying your life down for us. And today we acknowledge that you are the almighty Son of God, throne in heaven, where your grace and mercy live forever. And we take this in remembrance of you today, Lord Jesus. Amen. And now, Lord, as it is written in your word, this cup represents the blood that was shed to wash away all sin. You have made us righteous. You have cleansed us. We are your holy people. And today we take this in honor, in remembrance of you. We exalt you today and we give you worship and glory, thanking you, Lord Jesus, for the price of giving us eternal life. We do this in remembrance of your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Now, Holy Spirit, for everyone here today, as we leave this place, as we enjoy our weekend and celebrate, stir in our hearts a desire. Remind us that we are people of God. Anoint us as you did, David, and so many that went before us, that we can be vessels that advance the kingdom of heaven, that we can represent our kingdom in such a way that it brings glory to you. We love you, Lord Jesus. We pray for families. Uh, Lord, we pray for the families in Texas that are struggling today, God. May your peace that passes understanding settle in their homes. May your grace be with them and your strength empower them to navigate the days ahead. Thank you that you are a good God and you always protect us and bring us through any situation, Father. We love you. We'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to click on the subscribe button. For more information on Victory Life Church, check us out at victorylifeky.com. Thank you so much for listening.